Good evening, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Women's Takeover of Muddied Waters Media. We are back. Spike cannot be here today. So instead, gave you something better to look at. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're so excited y'all could join us this evening now that you know tasha's husband couldn't be here today but it's okay we're so excited y'all could join us we would like to first thank you to matt and spike for allowing us to do this tonight thank you matt and spike and also huge shout out to Brian Lambrick and Nalik for making this show happen today. We could not have done this show without you. So a huge thank you to you guys. Brian has been amazing ever since our first takeover. And <laughs> we surprised everyone, but especially in this. And he wanted to make sure that we knew this. So I'll make sure that you guys know it was Brian's idea that Kelsey and I <laughs> filled in today for Matt and Spike. And not really is amazing. She is so detailed and thorough and notes, and she is also just so sweet. And, you know, we definitely couldn't do it without, <laughs> without the comments are already so funny. Yes. Um, something I wanted to go, oh, something that is audio issue with your microphone. Uh-oh. Is it me? Uh-oh. This is very true muddied waters fashion. And our defense, if you can hear me, Jason and Matt helped us. They didn't help us. So it's Jason and Matt's fault if something is going wrong. Back. Oh, it sounds okay. I hear, can you hear me okay? Matt can hear me. So it's Jason and Matt's fault if something is going wrong. You can't hear me? Okay. You can, I can hear you. Just not well. Okay. Matt is fixing it. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> Define not well. Okay, I'll be right back in one second, you guys. Hang tight, okay? Okay, before we come back, this is a quick test to see if anyone can hear me properly, if it's a little bit better. Pausing. Okay, one more pop. Okay, so if it's not fixed at this point, we're not going to delay it any further. Not entirely sure what the issue is because we don't normally use Restream. So I apologize. Um, it worked working perfectly fine before, and in true Muddied Waters fashion, I feel like we are officially nominated into the Muddied Waters team now. I feel like this was hazing. So, we're no longer the takeover team. We're officially Muddied Waters team, is what you're saying. Yes, I think that's exactly what this means. Which means that I can shamelessly go ahead and promote the membership that we are now doing um it is uh, fully plugged in thank you for your vote of confidence
Matt is coming to save the day with the backup option, so hang it tight, please. Okay, we are testing the backup option. Also, can you believe that self-driving cars will be a thing with this? <laughs> I Okay, that sounds 100% better. Okay, perfect. I will go ahead and bring us back. My goodness, Kelsey, can you hear me okay? I sure can. Okay. Thank goodness. I am so glad we finally got that resolved. I'm so sorry for that delay, you guys. But like I said, if this doesn't mean that we are official Muddied Waters team members now, then I'm mad. Yeah. Because it is much deserved. But anyways, <laughs> this special membership, it is at anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters slash subscribe. As Matt always says, it is cheaper than your cup of coffee that you spend during the week. Um, there you will have lots of exclusive content from all of the people who do podcasts. All of the hosts will be there and there is an exclusive muddied zoom once a month. The first one is going to be November 18th. And after that, it's going to be the second Thursday of every month. Ooh, and the muddied team is going to be together this weekend, not even on zoom, but live in person. I'm pretty sure for the first time. And that will include the takeover team. So maybe this is our full initiation is like this weekend. Yes. That's what I'm thinking. Yes. We've both been to things separately, but this is our first time all together. It's going to be you, me, Matt, Jason, Spike, Tasha, I believe will be there. Cajun is going to be there. We're just missing Nalik. Yeah. It's almost the whole team. We're going to have to FaceTime Nalik though during this whole thing and make sure that she's oh, yeah. included. During the Mississippi convention, they FaceTimed or they brought up a picture of her and just set it in the very front. So we're going to have to do the same thing. FaceTime her or something and bring her in. Yes. I love this idea. Shout out to Nalik. Um, so speaking of convention, if you guys would like to see the Muddied Waters team live in person this weekend and come and visit our lovely table at the South Carolina convention, if you go to sclp.org slash convention, you can be there as well. Spike will be speaking. We'll have Joe speaking. We will have Dan Fishman speaking. Um, during the morning session, we're going to be giving campaign advice on all different aspects of the campaign. So that's going to be really fun. And then you just get to hang out with us for the day. It's going to be so much fun. Also, the gala's 20s themed, which I cannot put to yes. words how excited I am over it. It is going to be absolutely fantastic. I oh gosh, can't oh wait. Oh my goodness, you guys are crazy in the comments already. Also, Kelsey has been putting in so much work for this convention. And you guys know, based on social media, that she's a very busy person. She's a fantastic mom and a wife and has a lot on her plate. Some of it we will get into tonight. But... Massive props to you, Kelsey, because you have been juggling so much and doing so much in preparation for this <laughs> that I appreciate that you took the time to do this with me tonight, given all the planning you've been doing. Yes. 
And mind you, most of the Muddied Waters team is staying at my house this weekend. So that's even better. <laughs> yes, it's going to be great. Jason's going to lose the game in person and I can't wait. It's going to oh, be amazing. That's excellent. <laughs> but, I really hope he's watching right now. <laughs> oh, me too. But this weekend, or this weekend, this evening, we're going to be talking a lot about, as you could see, small businesses, and we're going to be interviewing two fellow women entrepreneurs. The first one is a best-selling author and TV host, Carol Roth. Then we're going to be speaking to political activist and entrepreneur, Jess Mears. A lot of you guys know and love her already. And just so you guys know, too, we're going to be taking questions and kind of doing a live Q&A about small businesses and chatting, whether it's about me, Kelsey, or either of our two guests. Um, so just pop those questions in the chat as we're going and we will address them. But that being said, you know, I've already talked a little bit about Kelsey having so much going on, but I would love to know a little bit more about your businesses. Tell everybody what all you do. Cause you wear multiple hats. I wear lots of hats. So my main business is I am a graphic designer. Um, so I do a lot of different things when I design. Um, I started actually when I was 16 years old. The day I turned 16, I started in a print shop. Um, and I have been working for myself ever since. I have worked other jobs, but now I am 100% on my own. Um, after my open heart surgery, I kind of had no choice with open heart surgery back to back with COVID. Um, so I took the leap of faith and I was the digital art director for the Jorgensen Cohen campaign. So that was really fun. Um, a lot of the digital content that you guys saw was either me or my team. Um, and then I have worked for several other campaigns, um, but I don't just do campaigns. I do a lot of small businesses actually all across the country. Right now, the only state that I have not designed for a client in is Hawaii. That is my fun fact of the day. So if anyone is in Hawaii and wants a design done for them, you will be my 50th state and I will be super excited. I might actually be able to help you with that. One of my best yes. friends, Madison, um, she doesn't live in Hawaii anymore technically, but they are from there and they go there all the time. Perfect. And I believe her baby was born there. So like technically. It counts. I'm all for it. It counts. Yeah. But seriously, though, you are such an inspiration, and especially with everything that you have been through health-wise, like, you do so much, and you make it look easy, and the work that you do is incredible. Uh, what do you, what's been, like, the biggest challenge for you with it? Um, I think juggling being a mom and working, so it's a lot of, like, odd hours. Right. It's like... <laughs> put the kids to bed and like work till midnight. I take zoom calls at like 9 PM with clients. I'm just like, Hey, uh, this is where it fits in my schedule. And they're like, that's fine. It fits in my schedule too. I'm like, okay. So that's been kind of the biggest challenge, um, for me just because, you know, kids have to go to school. My daughter, my oldest daughter actually goes to school 45 minutes away from our house. So we spend an hour and a half oh just in the car. And so, yeah. That's, that's been a challenge, but it's so worth it. Um, I also plan events now. That's also in my wheelhouse. Um, as a graphic just turned into an event planner. Yeah. So I got to help plan the election night party in Dallas for Joe and Spike. And so now I'm planning the South Carolina convention, but I've also been helping with a bunch of weddings. 
um, oh. other things right now. So somehow I've turned into an event planner too. And I like design people's whole weddings or whole events. So that's been really fun. Um, and I also do like full branding, which we're going to get into that later with Jess, but I do full branding yes. for companies and things like that, which um, I'm pretty sure you did some branding work too, didn't you? I did. I I have worn very many hats in the entrepreneurial realm because to be real, I get bored. And so I come from a family where there's a lot of entrepreneurs in my family, a lot of family businesses that are still going after decades. So I got into branding by complete accident when I was a stay-at-home mom when my kiddos were little babies. I started working in... I'm um, sorry, I got distracted. Matt said he lost one of the dogs and they keep on the door. <laughs> so I found him. You lost him, but I found him. Um, I started working in mostly in the Instagram field um, as far as social media marketing goes. And I worked with a lot of companies to advertise there. And then it translated over into so many other mainstream platforms like Pinterest, um, slowly integrated Facebook because Back then, Facebook wasn't used a whole lot for marketing like the way it is now. It has evolved and grown so, so, so much. Um, so, yeah, and like you said, we'll kind of get into that a little bit later because I get really nerdy when it comes to the, you know, algorithms and strategizing around things like that. But it was a lot of fun. Now, I mostly do, I have a candle company. And a realm of that that I did not expect was branding um, within that. So using the candles to help with branding or promotions of other things. I have a special collaboration coming up with my candles for a someone who has a Christmas book coming out and then a movie and things like that. So not a realm that I ever expected to be in, but it's an interesting one for sure. And I'm excited because there is one of those candles coming to my house. Yes, I'm going to send you the list of scents and you have to pick one. And I'm, I will bring it to you. I'm so excited because two of my favorite things on this planet are coffee and candles. That's exactly why <laughs> I started making the coffee candles because they are two of my favorite things too. So yeah, what? it's crazy. And balancing that with, I work a regular nine to five job too in the insurance realm. So that is a lot. Because right now my schedule is very early in the morning until like late afternoon. And same thing with you with the kids. It can be a lot. And it is a lot to juggle between normal normal life, as yeah. normal as normal can be for anyone these days, especially with COVID. Um, you know, you balance that with a nine to five and the kids and dishes, cleaning, house. But there's a lot of other things too that I can't wait to get into with Carol. Um, about small businesses and the struggles that they face. Yes. I'm so excited for this show. I know, me too. This has been so much fun. We spent quite some time talking on the phone planning this one. Let's see. And this time we don't have fake beer. Oh, yeah. We're not making fun of the other people for Muddied Waters this time. We don't have the fake beards, fake vape pens. This is not Kava, guaranteed. This is not sponsored by Jason this Lyon. H two O. This is really sponsored by Starbucks. They do mud water, but it is what it is. 
But Stephen left a comment and said, so in order for me to get a business license in Hawaii County, I have to go through zoning first to have my office in my home. Talk about a bootstrap. And the form for zoning isn't even online. I mean, I'm not going to lie. South Carolina is very behind the times when it comes to having anything online. So it does not shock me that it's not online. But, I mean... I don't understand why government has to be so involved and you have to zone your house for your home office. Why? It's your home. You would think that it would be able to just be private, but nowadays nothing is, including, and this is probably something that will get brought up later, I'm assuming, you know, with Carol and Jess, but I have to touch on it including whenever transactions go through, through Zelle, Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, all that stuff. They're going to be auditing those things. And if any small businesses make over $600 in any of those fields, they're going to be trying to track it and find it. I can't believe it. It's a little bit crazy, but that is the world we live in now. And, you know, it's one of those things that if they can get some extra money where they can, they are going to. And if it can be taxed, they are going to tax it. And then just lie to us and tell us it's for the good of all people. We're just going to do great things. Build the roads, Kelsey. But my roads. But your kids wouldn't have a school. Tom would build the roads. Yeah. Remember? Tom Arnold, he, he'll he build the roads. Tom Arnold like will be happy. Fast-tracking all the nonsense. <clears throat> yep. You are correct, Jacob. They are fast-tracking all of the nonsense. So what are small business taxes like in South Carolina? Is that something you've had to deal with yet, or is it something that you've been looking into or trying to prepare for? Preparing for it, looking into it. I have a lovely financial advisor who helps me with all of that. Um which is great because a lot of times in the design field, a lot of businesses need design services. And so it's kind of cool because you can trade. I will design service. Uh-huh. Goods for goods. The barter system. Mm-hmm. It's that coming is back. something that I wish was used a lot more. Yeah, it really is. Especially I think social media, which is very interesting. You know, a lot of people use social media because they want to make more money. With their businesses, whether you're just an Instagrammer who you get paid for promos or things like that on your stories or your Instagram posts, your lifestyle blogger, or if you have a physical business too, you know, like whether it's candles or with your marketing and branding, it's really interesting because there is a lot of bartering that's going on for services and social media has been a big help in that. So I'm very interested to see if that's something that comes back even bigger and bigger, not to mention like crypto which is not a realm that I have any experience in. So I'm not going to even attempt to understand anything as far as that goes. But I'm a fan of the barter system coming back. Me too. I just, to me, to be honest, like if I can help another business and they can help me, I'd rather do that than be like, okay, well, I'm going to charge you X, Y, Z, A, B, C. I mean, obviously I still charge people, but you know, I would much rather be like, okay, you need this service. Oh, I need this service. And everyone's plugging and working together. Yep. And that's just part of when I think of libertarian values as far as small businesses go, I absolutely imagine people lifting each other up 
empowering other small business owners, helping, you know, do butter system. And then you have more word of mouth to go around and helping each other out. I know Meg said, I'm over here worried that they're going to try to tax our property tax payment. My better half transferred to my account legitimately. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing. There was a meme on social media where someone was like, they're going to come after me because I couldn't have a job. And my grandma sent me $600 or $700 to help towards yeah. my rent. What am I going to do then? So it's, that's a big issue, I think, is there's going to be a lot of people who are targeted who aren't even small business owners. Yeah. I mean, think about people's weddings. Like a lot of times, or baby showers, they'll be like, hey, here's $500 or $600 to go get stroller or, you know, here's the vacation fund or things like that. Now you're going to tax my wedding fund or my baby shower money? Like that's dumb. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, they're going to try to go for anything they can. Matt said, Sarah, what is your favorite thing about your significant other? Kelsey said, what is your least favorite thing and why is it his beard product? (laughs) Sarah, you go first. (laughs) You know, I could... There's so many things that I want to say, but I'm remembering that there are some family members that watch this, so I don't want to say anything to me or, you know, you know, my favorite thing, um, your obnoxious sense of humor. And I say obnoxious because mine is too, but we match each other. So, you know, it helps. I love it. Um, well, Matt already picked my least favorite thing, which is the beard product. So, I mean... Some of them smell kind of funny, but there are some that like one smells like coffee. So it really is not terrible. Ooh. Oh, Um, Brian. Oh, there we go. It looks like we have Carol is here to join us. And right before I bring her up, I just wanted to give a quick little intro. Um, I know, you know, I told you guys that she's a bestselling author and TV host. But she is a content creator, recovering investment banker, author of The War on Small Business, entrepreneur, investor, and host. And she is the New York Times bestselling author of The Entrepreneur Equation. So we're going to go ahead and bring up Carol. Yay. Hi, ladies. So sorry to be like a hot minute late. I was given two different links. (laughs) So I was on the one that was in the calendar invite and not this one. So now here I am. It is totally all good. Happens. We were improvising. <laughs> so how yeah, are you? Say that again. How are you? Um, I'm a little tired. Yesterday was leg day, so legs are a little bit on fire right now. But uh, excited to be with both of you. How are you guys doing? Great. We are great. We're so excited to have you tonight. Well, I am excited to be here. Yeah, we. Brian was super excited as soon as we decided to plan this. He called me and was like, I know the perfect people to bring on. He was just so thrilled. And we're really excited to talk to you because we all kind of have a little bit of experience in this realm. So we're excited to hear from you. Awesome. I'm excited as well. So where where are we starting? So we are going to start with what has influenced you to want to go into business and help small businesses specifically? 
That's a great question. So I was always that kid who was very entrepreneurial. Like I was selling anything that I could around the neighborhood, um, cookies, which is horrendous because I don't even know how to cook or bake, um, t-shirts that I would make. Again, not super artistic, but it didn't matter. I was kind of just like, you know, that hustling kind of person. And business was just always very interesting to me. Uh, I sort of attribute it to the fact that I had like six piggy banks as a kid like every one of my parents friends like gave me a piggy bank <laughs> so i feel like i got really interested in money at a, at a young age um and then i got uh, i was first person in my family to go to college i ended up getting into the best undergraduate business program in the nation at wharton university of pennsylvania and from there um i took on a ton of, of debt to be able to do so because i had to pay for most of my college education and people were kind of saying well there's sort of two ways to make a lot of money and pay that down quickly people who like to deep dive into something go into management consulting and people who have ADD tend to go into investment banking. So I was clearly going to go into investment banking and uh, a lot of people don't know what that is. Um, so I was in corporate finance and my function was basically to help companies that you've all heard of Papa John's pizza, cheesecake factory, you know, planet Hollywood, all, all these companies, um, raise money so that they could open up more units and employ more people. So, you know, if you've eaten at a cheesecake factory and gained a ton of weight, that's probably partially my fault because I helped them get the money to build one near you. Um, when people talk about Wall Street or investment banking, they're always like, oh, those greedy investment bankers. And it's like, well, what does an investment banker do? And they honestly have no idea. So it, it's a good function. We help to, to uh, you know, connect growing businesses to capital. Also, mergers and acquisitions and things like that. And it was at that point in time when I would field calls from small business owners who were getting really bad advice and desperate for help to you know, grow their businesses, but they couldn't afford to hire an investment bank and certainly not a top tier investment bank. And so it just occurred to me as my um, career evolved that there might be a way to leverage media to help small business owners. And when I decided I didn't want to be the world's best investment banker and try to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up and game show host was not an open option for me, uh, that was one of the areas that I decided to explore. And I've been an advocate for small business for probably like a good decade and a half now. I love it. Oh you said. Gosh. You said game show host. Okay, I have to ask because I listened to actually one of your interviews earlier this uh, morning as well. And so I want to know what kind of game show do you want to be a host of? So it can't be something like super serious. Like I know people are like, oh, Jeopardy would be great. Like, no, Jeopardy is like super smart and serious and like you pronounce something wrong. Like I want to do something that's just fun and goofy and where I can play off the people. Like if Steve Harvey ever didn't want to host Family Feud, that's a great one because like, you know, that shows off the improv skills and you can just kind of like make fun of people, but they're in on it like real time. Um, I tried to get the press your luck hosting gig and nobody even returned my letter. Um, let's make a deal. Like anything that's just like fun where you give away lots of prizes and there's lots of interaction 
with the people and, and isn't very serious. I love it. Yeah. I love that. Family Feud would definitely be a fun one to be on because some of those answers that they give, especially amazing. depending on the lineup, is just there, it's it is wild. It's amazing. And I will have to say, like Steve Harvey is sort of the master class of hosts because if you watch the one that he hosts, it's actually a comedy show with like a game show around it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. like such an amazing prototype and he just leans into those moments. And I feel like that's something that I'm pretty good at. Uh, and so would, would love to do something of a, a similar vein. So if there's anyone out there who would like to uh, produce a game show with me, just, you know, call me, I'm ready. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We actually did a really goofy um, libertarian version of Jeopardy at one point that definitely, I believe, got demonetized. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was so goofy, and none of us took it seriously. Um, well, I think Spike took it a little bit seriously, but, yeah. you know, that's Spike. But um, so as someone who consults and advocates so much for small businesses, what is one piece of advice that you find yourself repeating the most to your clients? I mean, for small businesses they think that money is going to solve their problems. So, you know, if I just had a million dollars or if I just had Nike distribute my product, like this would be amazing. And the reality is that money does not solve a bad business model. Like if you gave most small business owners a million dollars tomorrow, they would have absolutely no idea what to do with it. Um, well, actually, that should say before COVID, now that the government's decimated their businesses, they have to pay down debt and hire people and pay for it, you know, increased products. But, you know, generally speaking, um, a lot of small business owners don't do enough of the things to sort of take risk out of the business or even to understand what that return on investment might look like. They just assume that money is the missing piece when usually it's more, you know, strategy and work and just sort of digging in. And uh, I think that's a, a big problem across, you know, sort of all sizes of small businesses, all industries, all geographies. Okay. So do you think a lot of the time, you know, if they have this influx of income come in that, they don't necessarily understand that you have to reinvest that into other areas of your business. It's not just, this is your personal income now. So I think, you know, most, most of the time, if you get to the point where you have a lot of income coming in, like you're probably well on your way down the path. The bigger issue tends to be businesses that don't understand how to get customers in or how to manage their costs, um, how to kind of leverage customer loyalty to sell more to your existing customers, um, you know, sort of how to, to build out financial statements and projections and things like that. So I think that if you're getting to the point where you're, you're generating a lot of income or, you know, a substantial percentage that's above an industry average and a lot of the industries, you know, it's it's not a ton. You know, restaurants could be like three to six percent profit margins. Um, so if you're at that point that that you're you know kind of regularly doing that, you've probably figured out a lot of the the secret sauce along the way. I like it. All right, so you are we're all women entrepreneurs in this group right now. So question on that. 
Which do you think is a bigger hurdle for women entrepreneurs, the government or societal pressures? <laughs> I mean, how is that even a question? <laughs> First of all, the biggest hurdle for women entrepreneurs, honestly, is thinking that they're women entrepreneurs. They're just entrepreneurs. Women yeah. just has, yeah. happens to be a qualifier that people like to throw on so they can host conferences and have special magazines and things like that. But if you are an entrepreneur and you're calling yourself a woman entrepreneur, that's your number one problem. And you're probably networking with people who aren't going to get you to the next level and you're not taking your business you know, seriously enough to kind of get it to the next level. So stop thinking yourself that, that you're a woman entrepreneur. Um, but outside of that, um, you know, societal part, like I don't even know what that means, but the government is, you know, I wrote this book, The Entrepreneur Equation, about all the risks to um, small businesses about a decade ago. And, you know, I'd always knew the government obviously was a pain in the behind, but never did I think it was going to be the biggest risk to a small business, like that they could actually shut you down and tell you you couldn't operate. And if you managed to be in an industry where, you know, you weren't affected, then you have all these other ridiculous regulations, um, costs. I mean, the thing that annoys me more than anything is having to pay insurance for employees that sit at home on their computer, workman's comp insurance, thousands of dollars to the state of Illinois uh, for, you know, somebody sitting on their computer at home in their slippers, you know, like, I just don't get it. So clearly all of the additional costs um, and barriers to starting a business, to hiring your first employee. Um, you know, now we have some legislation that's potentially coming down the pike that could limit working with contractors. Those are the kinds of things that makes it so much harder to start a business, to grow it, and to be successful. Um, you know, I don't even know what like society means or where these pressures are coming from, but like if you introduce me to them, I can set them straight, I guess. <laughs> I love it. I love hearing your perspective on the first issue is if you're calling yourself a woman entrepreneur, that's that's it. You're an entrepreneur because there's a huge yeah. and I'm sure that you've seen it, you know, on social Kelsey already knows where I'm going with this, <laughs> on social media. There's the whole boss, babe, girl, boss, female entrepreneur thing. That's, it's almost becomes people's branding in a way. So, and I, it steers a lot of people away and I think it really limits a lot of people too. So I love hearing you say that. We do have a question for you in the comments. Um, they, Meg said, I have always heard the 60, 40 split works well with sole proprietor businesses. If you sink 60, back in and pay yourself 40% unless you need to invest more for any other reasons. Is there any legitimacy there? So the, the challenge, even with a, a sole proprietor business, and if you look at what is now um, almost 32 million small businesses in this country, 31.7 million, um, only six, 6 million of them have employees. So the rest of them are sole proprietors. And obviously, they are in completely different industries, different geographies, different focuses, and can become different sizes, kind of depending on their focus. So, in terms of the reinvestment of your in your business, I can't say like here's a standard rule because obviously it's going to be very different. Do you have like I have a business, um, you know, that is a services type of business primarily we do have some products but we generate most of our revenue through services um i, I have very little that i need to 
reinvest back into the business other than if I need to hire more people to grow the revenue side of the business. Very different than if you have a restaurant um, where you want to open up a new unit or maybe you need to do upkeep or you know, things like that. So you, know, you really want to look at comps. I call them comps, but comparable companies that are in your, your industry. And it's very helpful sometimes to work with a, a, a trusted advisor, like an accountant or a lawyer that works in the industry and has seen these businesses over and over and over again. But my general philosophy, um, this is my philosophy about money and investing, is like if you can earn a return on investment in your business or anything else that's more than what you would do with the money otherwise, like there's no limit to how much I'd reinvest. Like, you know, if you don't need that money to, to live on um, and I could reinvest 100% back and I knew I could you know, generate a 25% you know, return, annual rate of return, like I'm doing that all day long. So you really have to look at what's going to be that return on investment of that capital that you're putting to work. What else could you be doing with it? And you know, what is your business need? And, and what are your goals and your projections? So everybody wants to have that like nice, neat answer. And there isn't the nice, like this nice, neat answer, but there are benchmarks from industries. So depending on, you know, what kind of sole proprietorship it is, I would recommend looking within the industry. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, she, um, I know Meg mentioned, she said, I have several I need to chill. There are two are product-based and one is service-based. So yeah, it's definitely going to vary. Okay, well, let's talk about this. This is important. So you can't make three things your number one priority. And that means you're going to half-ass doing all of them, or I guess like a third ass doing all of them because they're <laughs> divided into a third. So, you know, that becomes a challenge. Um, and this is a like, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. But if you're really looking to maximize your um, income potential, one of them really needs to be your primary. And it's okay to have some side hustles and things like that. But, you know, what do you have the most opportunity to grow and to generate that cash flow and, and income from? You should really be focused all of your, you know, almost all of your energy on that until you get to that to the point where you're like, okay, I like, you know, squeezed all the, the blood out of this diamond. <laughs> I'm going to move on to something else and, you know, expand my portfolio. But I think a lot of people do that because it's fun, right? It's fun to create things and it's not fun to do the blocking and tackling of running your business every day. It's like kind of like getting married. It's super fun to plan the wedding, not as much fun to, you know, work on the marriage every single day. But which one? One of them actually keeps you married. Same kind of thing for your business. You know, it's the blocking and the tackling and that boring stuff that, you know, provides the growth for you. So I would say focus. Not that, really not that you asked, that was... but I just jumped in there anyway. So. Yeah, no, that's I love perfect. It. And I think a lot of people need to hear that because that was my downfall. You know, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned how prior to now, I've done so many different things and it was because I got bored 100%. I would get very ADD and as soon as it wasn't fun anymore, I was just like, well, what else can I do? And I would all of a sudden have this next brilliant idea of something I could do or make, but you're right. That's exactly it. It's, it's challenging to when the not fun times come up and you need to focus on the growth and make plans and sit down and do with money and come up with business models. It's hard, but if you stick with it, I love the marriage analogy. That was yeah, it's 
It's accurate. But the, and, that, and that's what makes you successful. It is that boring part. I mean, think about even football players, like, you know, the best football players of all time, they spend their time watching tape, even though they're super talented. They spend their time, you know, going to practice. They spend their time doing those things. That's what makes the difference. And it is, it's so easy to like want to, to run to the fun stuff, but that's not what makes you the money. Now, if you've made a ton of money, then you've bought yourself flexibility. And if you're just trying to amuse yourself, then you can do whatever you want. But it's some, you know, for some chunk of time until you get there, you really, you're going to be the most successful by picking one thing and focusing. And I'll tell you something that, that most people don't understand. It almost doesn't matter which one you pick. Like if there's an obvious one that you, you know, have um, higher margins or more opportunity, like you should pick that one because that's just easier. But the focus is actually more important and the execution and that con consistency is more important than which one you choose. It's just sometimes just choosing something and sticking with it. That's really important. It's a conversation I had recently with a few friends because I have a lot of friends in my life who are very creative and they were just saying, you know, I'm really good at this, this, and this. I don't know which one I need to focus my attention on the most. And I just said, well, you can be successful at any of them. Yeah. You just have to put in the effort. I mean, especially now with the internet and social media and YouTube and everything <laughs> that is so available now, it's, it's a difficult time because of government. But in just regular world outside of that, it's such a perfect time compared to when our grandparents were trying to start businesses, yeah. you know, so. It's a, it's a, it's a blessing see. and a curse. It's a really good point that you bring up. It's a blessing because it's so much easier to reach anyone. It's a curse because it's so much easier to reach anyone. And that means everybody else is all doing the same thing. And in terms of trying to capture someone's attention, it might be easier to reach them, but it's harder to capture their attention over longer you know, periods of time. Um, and there's a lot of distraction and there's a lot of what I call ROE, which is return on ego, which are things that make you feel really nice and fuzzy and happy and you get a lot of likes, but they don't produce any income. And until you can pay your mortgage and buy fun things with likes, then you probably shouldn't be focused on that if it doesn't convert to actual dollars. That's such good advice. Yeah. Because I feel like nowadays, like everything is so much, how many likes did I get on Instagram today? Oh my gosh, I'm going to get chosen as a brand partner or something like that. And I mean, really, a lot of times those don't add up to dollars or at least very much. If anything, you get like a free product in the mail. Right. Or you do, but like the amount of hours that you put in to make your like a hundred bucks, like you're, it's like less than the minimum wage. Um so again, if it's like, if it's your hobby and I saw uh, you know, Jacob over here on the comments says he has lots of hobbies, which is great. Um, you know, it's good to have a hobby where maybe you can make a little money instead of one that sucks up all your money, like golf or buying pinball machines or things like that. <laughs> but, you know, you have to, again, look at the, you know, return on investment and, and how much time are you spending and are you really willing to put in what it takes to become that top level content creator or else you end up what I, with what I call a, is a jobby and that's a, you know, a job that's basically disguised as a hobby or a business and people run themselves in circles and spend just a ton of time thinking that they're going to make money on something that really, because of the way they're approaching it, they're never going to have that opportunity. 
That makes sense. That makes total sense. Let's see here. So I, and on top of this, kind of getting back to the issues that we have with small businesses, uh, with your book that came out, The War on Small Businesses, as small business owners, what is something that we can do to fight back? I mean, the number one thing you can do is support other small business owners, collaborate, use them as your vendors, buy from them. In fact, if you guys go to carolroth.com and you click on the blog right now, we just came out with our holiday gift guide. It's got more than 200 small businesses, everything from a man bouquet made out of beef jerky, like, I mean, come on, to like these things where like they like make these replicas of your pets and like stuffed animals or put them on your socks or that like, we have like more than 200 small business owners that we're promoting. We're trying to get people to shop when they do their holiday gifting, whether it's, you know, for clients or personal to do as much as you can with a small business and not be lazy and just get everybody Amazon gift cards, which again, Amazon is great and provides a lot of value, but like Amazon doesn't need your business. <laughs> These small businesses do need your business. Um, so being a good, you know, small business partner is like the, you know, capitalism, vote with your wallet. That's like the number one thing you can do. That's actually what we were talking about earlier in the show, too, was the importance of lifting up other small businesses and supporting them. And even if, you know, you use the barter system in some ways, you know, like if Kelsey does branding for me for an exchange for me, giving her like a dozen free candles or something of this sort, the chances of us using word of mouth to talk to other people about those things is someone says, hey, I love your branding, or hey, I love the candles that you have in your office. Things like that slowly make a big difference, too. And I'm curious, I wanted to ask, you know, especially in the realm of social media and the internet and Etsy and all of these things, um, do you think that there's going to be a world where major retail stores just slowly die out? All right, so I got a little bit of a breakup there. I don't know, Kelsey, did you, were you getting that? Did you, did, can you repeat that back to me? Yeah, I, I had it too. Um, Sarah, were you saying that um, big businesses are basically going to eat like eat the small businesses? Like it's just going to be big businesses? Is that what you were saying? I heard big business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it starts with a big. Everybody guess what it is. Gang show host. <laughs> this is like Family Feud. Oh, no. no. <laughs> is it any better, any better now? No. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I typed, I typed it. All right, let me let's see here. I can see the chat. I can't can't see that. Is Kelsey. there a is there a world where small business moves out big businesses? Okay, all right, we heard big business. So I think there is a way for there to be a better balance in the economy. Um, and certainly, you know, this is somewhat theoretical uh, based on where we are today. But I think that obviously, if we were to limit government's purview and they didn't have uh, the ability to throw up so many barriers and grant um, so many favors and create this uneven playing field, we would have the opportunity for small businesses to thrive more and to kind of thwart the consolidation of the economy that's happening 
with the power being in that sort of unholy triumvirate between big government, big business and big special interest. Um, you know, obviously, big business has some advantages just by scale. They're going to have more access to capital. Um, you know, they're going to have the ability to implement some technology force and whatnot. But they also don't have some of the, th the things that small businesses have, which which are the ability to create stronger relationships with customers and to generate customer loyalty. And in a you know, free enterprise system, that's the exciting part, right? The big businesses leverage their advantages. The small businesses leverage theirs. People get to choose you know, what makes more sense for them. Um, but unfortunately, when you keep having <laughs> these uh, roadblocks thrown in your way, it just makes it harder and harder for the small business to do that. And so the big businesses gain more and more of an advantage. So, you know, in theory, there there's certainly a way for that to work harmoniously and for there to be, you know, a, a more of a decentralized economy. Uh, we're just moving in the wrong direction, guys. Especially after COVID, I feel like just the roadblocks are just one after the other after the other. And it's just like, when is it going to end? Yeah, I, I don't know that it is. And I, I don't I think that it was somewhat designed that way. And if you check out the Ron Small Business, you can choose your own adventure to see if you think that it was intentional or incompetent or, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, you, you got so many, you know, probably about a third of the small businesses that were closed directly by mandate. They lost revenue directly. You had the Fed that was you know, pumping all of this money into the stock market. So their bigger competitors have more access to cheap capital to be able to compete with them. Then you have, based on all of these decisions that were made by the government, the latent effects of supply chain um the labor market, you know, basically what we saw was an end around to increasing the minimum wage um, by the, the decisions that were made to, you know, keep people out of the workforce, whether it was by scaring them half to death, giving them an ex extended unemployment benefits, creating uncertainty in terms of getting their kids back to school and, and so on and so forth. And so all of these things are just making it harder and harder for these poor small businesses that already were like, you know, on their last life breath, if they were even in existence anymore to continue to compete. And, you know, some of this isn't going away. You know, this wage inflation um, is not going to be transitory. You know, we're not going to be in the middle of next year where companies are paying $20 an hour for, you know, somebody who has no skills and all of a sudden they're like, okay, just kidding. We're going back to seven. Like it's just, it's just not going to happen. And given the fact that we have so many jobs that are unfilled and so many people leaving the workforce, many of which I think are permanent. Um, yeah. We're going to be screwed up and that's going to fall very heavily on small business. Absolutely. It's so sad because I, I go down the road now and like a lot of my favorite small businesses here in South Carolina, I mean, they're just boarded up and yeah. I, there's no, they, they probably won't come back. And it's, it's so sad to me that all those families are out all of that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I just think about the ripple effect. Like you, you think about the one small business, but you know, that small business has vendors that supplied it. It has a cleaning crew probably that came in to, to clean it. Uh, it had their employees, you know, all these different people 
who now don't have money to then go back and, and put into the economy and you know, continue to prop up that cycle. So it's not just the loss of that one small business, it's that ripple effect through the economy. And I think that that's the part that so many people don't understand. Uh, there was a great uh, <laughs> imbecile on Twitter today, Blue Check, of course, um, who from the Washington Post, who was you know lamenting some over-the-top Getty wedding that I guess Pelosi was officiating, whatever. But the point was like, oh, look at this like excessive display of wealth. And it's kind of like, but that's them putting the money back into the economy and the florist gets paid and the caterer gets paid and the gown designer gets paid and probably like a whole slew of insane, you know, amount of people that none of us would spend money on get paid. And this is providing them jobs and allowing them to, you know, add to the economy. And they don't seem to understand that's how the economy works. It's like, oh, no, oh, we'd rather have them give it to the government so they can dole that out to their cronies. Good, good idea, buddy. So um, yeah, people don't sort of think about the, the ripple effects. And you know, before COVID, small business, 99.9% of all business entities and about half the GDP and half the workforce so, you know, either those people are going out and going on the government dole or they're going to get like scooped up by big business and we're going to have that further consolidation. And that's you know, what we don't want to see happen. Exactly. Exactly. So you were talking a little bit about your book earlier. Where can folks find your book? Is there a small business that we can buy it from that you would recommend? Yes. Yeah, so that's one of the things I've been doing is so, you know, obviously support your local bookstore if you can. But there's a fabulous site that I, as I've been talking about this, I'm surprised that not enough people know about it. It's called bookshop.org. And bookshop.org will fulfill your book from a local small business bookseller that's near you. And it's very cool because not only for your individual purchase, but also on an aggregate basis, they show you how much of the money and how much of your purchase actually goes to those smaller uh, sellers which is great because then you can be an advocate and, and learn out about small businesses and their plight and whatnot. And you can support a small business as well. That is so cool. I love that. I really, really love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show today. We're really excited to have you. Um, what was your personal website again as well, just for our viewers? So go to carolroth.com. And again, if you click on blog, you'll find that holiday gift guide. It was published today. Uh, if you go in, in subsequent days, just go back, you know, a few posts and you'll be able to see it. And then um, if you have a warped sense of humor, you can find me on Twitter at Carol J.S. Roth. And I just wanted to thank both of you. This has been so fun. And I can't even believe how fast the time flew by. I know. It's crazy. I looked down. It was 904. I was like, oh my goodness. I feel like I've only been talking for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Amazing. That's All so right. Cool. I'm not sure if you can hear me or not. Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, you can? It's back? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, it was absolutely fantastic having you on. And I, you know, as soon as Brian was telling me more about who you were, I'm so excited that we got to hear from you. I'm definitely going to be buying the book. Um, actually, yes. both of them. Awesome. Very, very soon. Guaranteed. I actually know a few women who own their own small businesses who I'm certain would very much love to read it too as well. So thank you so much for spending this time with us. All right. Thank you. And thanks to all the folks in the chat. And hopefully we'll do this again soon. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.
Bye. Okay. So that was fantastic. And that was also amazing. random audio issues. Welcome to Muddied Waters. Takeover team it's video official. too. It's official. It's fine. Takeover team initiation. That was amazing. Um, I absolutely loved hearing from her. I don't know about you, Sarah, but back. I'm going to watch the replay on that probably like three times because I feel like there was so much content that was packed into that that I just want to replay it and like dive deeper into a lot of what she was saying. There was so much good advice on that. And I think my biggest takeaway was talking about not putting yourself as a woman entrepreneur, but just an entrepreneur. Oh, no, I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, there's there's a whole lot around the whole boss babe, female entrepreneur yeah. thing. And I get it. I get that for some people, maybe that really just is their true brand. And I'm sure Jess probably has some feelings on this once we bring her up too. Yes. Um, but I think that it does a lot more harm in a lot of cases and it does good. You are an entrepreneur. You don't have to just restrict yourself to that specific category because you happen to also be a woman. Yeah, I agree. Well, speaking of Jess, let's bring her in. Yes. Jess. Hey. Hey, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yes. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? We are so Amazing. excited to have you here. Awesome so, to be here. I'm so excited. All right. So a little bit on Jess because we brought her in because we were that excited. Um, but Jess Mears wants to build grassroots movements for human freedom. She worked for over four years at the Libertarian National Party and was the deputy campaign manager for the Joe Jorgensen campaign, traveling all around the country with both Joe and Spike on the campaign trail. I worked very well with Jess on the Joe Jorgensen campaign, and she was my neighbor during that entire time. So that was very fun. Oh my goodness. And on top of it, she is currently training grassroots movement leaders for Americans for Prosperity and one day wants to work in the space industry, which we have some questions about later. Oh, yeah. um, and she's here today <laughs> to talk, us, talk to us about branding your business. So can we dive deeper into your current endeavors and how you've gotten to be where you are now? Well, hey, ladies. Um, really great to see you this evening and especially to circle back with Kelsey since we worked together last year and we have opportunities to work together in the future. Yes. So I am currently, um, I've been inspired earlier this year. In January, a man named Howie Rich called me and he offered me a job for a really high paying job. And I was really interested in like, who is this man calling to offer me this job? So I looked at his Wikipedia and I saw on Howie's Wikipedia that he donates significant amount, amounts of money to causes, one of them being U.S. term limits. So I was like, mind blown. Howie is funding the change he wants to see in the world. And, I, and so he's like funding people like me to work in these jobs. And it made me realize that there is a possibility for me to one day be able to do the same thing. So I'm really interested. And I've been using this entire year of 2021, thinking through in my mind of what does that look like for me? If I were to start a business and use the good profits from my business to 
do change, what would that look like? And so that's why um, I've been in touch with Kelsey talking about branding and trying to start getting ready to make my first moves as a entrepreneur in the making. And so that's something I think that I can bring to the table in this conversation is this is something I'm doing actively. I don't see myself currently as an entrepreneur, but I'm preparing for being an entrepreneur. So I'm curious about both of you. I know you both started businesses. What kind of advice do you have for me as I am preparing to be an entrepreneur? Oh, goodness. I was not expecting to be asked questions, but I love it. Um, (laughs) I think something that I would definitely say is no matter, and this is such a cheesy thing, but I swear this is, I remind myself this all the time, especially whenever there's the moments where it's really hard and you think that you have it nailed and then something happens and you realize you don't and maybe you were so far off base or maybe you did nail it and then all of a sudden something else pops up you were unprepared for. Just remember that you are always, always, always a student first. And it's such a, so many people are like, oh my God, that is so cheesy, but it's very, very true. And I think the most humble and compassionate and empathetic people always remember that. Um, so that's what I would say, because it helps whenever you do have those hard times where you're like beating yourself up over, I should have done this. I should have known this. Why didn't I look into this first? I should have seen this coming. So that is a big one. Yeah, no, that's great. And to add to that, to add to that, I think my biggest bit of advice is when you're trying to form your own business, doing all of that legwork and not trying to rush into it is huge. And usually um, if you get all of your legwork done, you're going to hit that one pivotal point where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do it. Every business owner does it. They're like, I can't do this. This isn't going to work. I need to just go back to a nine to five. I just, I can't do it. And at that point, if you persevere through that point, I promise you, you've made it. You've made it. Like that is your pivotal. Like this is where the road splits. And if you take that path, that's the path that's going to make you successful. And if you can do it that one time, because those moments are going to come up more than once yeah. in any change or transitional periods. But if you do it that one time, it makes each of the future times that happens yeah. so much easier. Yeah. And part of that is the legwork. And I know Jess, you know, we're talking about branding for your business right now because I'm helping you with that actively. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so... Jess, I want to hear your take on this because I know the answer, but I want to hear your take. So why is branding a business so important and what does it actually mean to have a brand? And it clearly has to be more than just a logo and a slogan. So Jeff Bezos said that your brand is what others say about you when you're not in the room. And you can actually craft what it is that people say about you through actions, through marketing. And so I think it's better to spend the time crafting what people would think or perceive than to just let them come to their own natural um, conclusions without having you being able to say who you are or what you are. Yes. I agree. I love it. And so following that, how do you brand yourself? And then what would you, how would an average person who's maybe starting a business want to brand themselves? How would they go about it? 
I started off this year with just kind of um, trying to make sure that I have my ducks in a row. I did this life balance assessment early at the beginning of the year. And I tried to kind of figure out where are my vulnerabilities, almost like a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, because I wanted to see where, where am I not looking closely? Where am I not evaluating? And then also, if I am going to take those steps into being an entrepreneur, I need to make sure that some of the areas of my life aren't going to get too off balance when things get difficult. Like you guys have both alluded to that, like stepping into the entrepreneurial world can make things a little fuzzy, a little hairy, dicey at times. And so I want to be the most prepared. So like I focused on my physical health and getting those established habits established. So that way when I am like, you know, this, this uh, mega boss entrepreneur lady that I've got everything under control. So I started off first with life balance was number one for me. And then I started asking people, what am I good at? And asking my friends to give me feedback because I have blind spots too. And I think humans get stuck in the trap of not um, wanting to lean into their strengths. So I started asking people, what have I done? What, what impact have I made? And people have told me, you're really good at getting people to get motivated about something or to get them to show up or get interested. So it's like, I'm that kind of person that I ask people, will you? I'm an inviter and I, I hold people accountable too, because I give them that personal invitation. So I found out that's something that I'm really good at. Now, how do I lean into that more? Okay. I love it. And I love something that I didn't mention, but you already are doing it is you're taking care of yourself first. And mm -hmm. I think that's something not, that's not something enough people do. And it's something that I wish I knew. And to be honest, yeah. I am still working on it. It is very hard to reshape those habits. And it's interesting too, because if you go on YouTube and you look up millionaire or billionaire mindsets and like, what kind of habits do they have? You will find a plethora of some of them follow Navy SEAL things and get up whenever it's just absolutely dark. And there's some who are the complete opposite who have a structure where it's way later in the day. So I would actually love to know what some of those habits are that you're working on building. What does that look like? This past month, I started keeping my phone away from me at nighttime. So sleeping in a different room as my phone. That's really hard. And then- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started running and now I go for runs and I'm trying to teach myself how to like something that I vehemently dislike, but getting into something that I didn't like before is really helping me pick up kind of this new habit of how to persevere, even though I don't want to do it. And I know as a business owner or an entrepreneur or a startup company, People have things that they have to do because they're a startup. There's no other option. So yeah. developing some new like running habits and then just even reading. I've got a book right next to me. I'm going to pull up. All right. Think like a rocket scientist. Somebody was reading this book a couple weeks ago 
And it's simple strategies you can use to make giant leaps in your work and life. And I'm not really um, a big reader. I love Twitter. I love Yahoo News. I love getting my news <laughs> from Yahoo. Um, it's simple. It's easy. It's Yahoo. But what I started doing is just dividing my book by um, how many, so the number of pages divided by 30. So that way I can get through a book in a month. So 13 pages a day and just trying to chunk out like a very manageable amount of reading. 13 pages goes by yes. so quickly. Um, and so I'm reading like some materials on how to prepare. So this is like mindset related. Um, but I really like that this book is going to teach me how to change an obstacle that people wouldn't have seen as something that they could change in the past. Like it's talking about how Elon Musk is changing the space tourism industry. So how to use rocket science thinking in just our everyday lives. And it I helps that it's for space. <laughs> I could go down the rabbit hole with you, Jess, on these kinds of books all day long because I love I love books but I don't have the time and to be quite honest because right. of my day I don't have the attention span yeah yeah sit down Same. my cap is at an hour and a half of a movie and even that's cutting it close because I just yeah. I can't so yeah. I love one part is that you mentioned what you do is you make it manageable because there's a book that's called Atomic Habits if you haven't yeah. read it I highly suggest it something it talks about is breaking down like, okay, so you want to become a runner or you want to be a reader. Well, if you just dive into, I need to power through this book in a week, or I'm just going to start trying to run a mile right now. It's going to be a lot harder. It's going to be more challenging and the chances of you actually doing that are going to be so much more slim as opposed to finding more attainable ways to break it down. Like you did with the book is huge. And someone yeah made a comment and said, David Goggins and Joko will change your life. And um, David Goggins has a book called um, You Can't Hurt Me or Can't Hurt Me. And it is an intense book, but it is so good. And he's very real. Um, so I highly recommend it. And I think you brought up something cool too, Jess, where you're taking everything and doing it into bite-sized pieces. And it's mm -hmm. an analogy that I use with my clients all the time when I'm designing or branding them or things like that. And I'm like, okay, what do you want? Like, what is your long-term vision? Like, what do you want to see for your business? And they give me all of these things. And then they go directly to like, this is how I want my website to look. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to start with this one piece. Let's work on your name or your logo, just your initial logo or something like that. And then we do the next part on a roadmap. I basically like make a roadmap of all these bite-sized pieces and then it gets them to their goal. But if you just give them, hey, you have to read this entire book or hey, you have to have this website completely done and your entire business plan and everything else already chunked out in a week's time, that's overwhelming for anybody. So it's mm -hmm. making sure that like, every business that you work with or every entrepreneur out there is just taking everything in bite-sized manageable pieces and they're going to find so much more success. I think of it as like a, I, you always hear people use this phrasing, but like a well-oiled machine, you have to start piece by piece, gear by gear, make sure one thing is working properly before you try to fix the entire thing or get it running. So I, feel as though, Jess, you're probably going to be very, very successful because yeah. you were starting off 
the right way and you are taking the time to build yourself first before anything else and Elon better wash out. Right? <laughs> well, I, wait. Um... Isn't there a say yes to Jess campaign with Elon? Isn't that a thing right now? On yeah. Twitter, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to get Elon's attention. Um, I try to get everybody's attention that has a, lo- a significant amount of influence because as a advocate for liberty, I am trying to get the influencers on board as well. So that's one of my reasons for trying to contact Elon. But also, I think he'd be just an interesting person to go on a date with. And that comes from my experience of been being on hundreds and hundreds of dates. Um, so now I'm just interested in seeing if I could manage to get a date with Elon. So I tweeted out um, that I would like to take Elon on a date and ask people to retweet that and um, ask him to say yes to Jess. I love it. I love it. I feel like that would be such an incredible conversation because even if you just look at his Twitter, he has such a hilarious personality. He takes everything and nothing seriously at the same time. So that would be an amazing thing to be a fly on the wall for. (laughs) If you guys, and actually I'm going to manifest this for you. When that ends up happening, it would be amazing to be a fly (laughs) on the wall for that. You brought up a really great point. Um, with influencers and the liberty movement because I think and I'm just going to be really real here and maybe some people watching might be annoyed at me saying this but I'm going to say it anyway there are a lot of libertarians that are older and so a lot of you know we all talk about how we want to expand and marketing and branding and whenever you work within different committees, whether it's statewide or national or even within the county or different events that we all three of us have done, um, you know, reaching out to people is a huge thing. So I think trying to get influencers on board is a brilliant way to spread the liberty movement because I think a lot more people are libertarian than they realize they are. They just don't know it exists. So what are some of your other ways of trying to get influencers on board? Twitter DMs are the best way to get connected with people. So I have connected with Mark Pellegrino. He was Lucifer on Supernatural just via Twitter DMs. Um, Zuby, I connected with him on Twitter DMs. So the best, this has been probably my best trick. But it does require you to have a little bit of experience with Twitter and some kind of following because a lot of the influencers that are out there are going to pay attention to accounts that have a larger number of followers. And then you also have to be able to get some tweets that kind of catch on. So it takes a little bit of like witty language and crafting using as few words as possible to convey a huge point and something that's timely and relevant so that it can go viral on Twitter. So anytime I'm picking up anybody following me on Twitter that has celebrity influence or leaders of big organizations or corporations, I reach out to them and Twitter DMs and I ask them to meet with me in the event that there's ever an opportunity where we can work together. So I never lead with what's my spiel. I never lead with like, 
here's what I'm trying to get from you. I just am trying to get someone to give me a few minutes of their time. So that way I can get to know them and also start establishing the relationship so that when there is a time, there is always a time, a time will come at some point, but it's not that moment when I go to their Twitter DMs asking them for a favor, it's going to be in the future. So the Twitter DMs are a gold mine for building relationships, but also being in the right place in the right time, which can be a little bit more difficult. So it's either choose the path of like, be in the right place, so show up and be a person that's seen, or spend more time crafting messages on social media that are witty. There's kind of two ways to go about trying to build that network of the people that are the power players or the keys to new opportunities. I love that you bring up relationships first, because even in my regular nine to five, I do a lot of training. And the biggest thing there and in this realm I think the most important thing is building relationships. And now with social media and all of the availability to start businesses, as well as the MLMs, there's kind of, there's a huge culture around hopping into people's DMs and just immediately trying to get something from them or trying to get them to look at something. So I think that's a really great approach because people forget about relationships. It's the most important thing. Like you said, if you build a good relationship with them, the opportunity will come. It might take some time. It might not. But, you know, people like influencers have people trying to get something from them all day long. So when you show up and you are almost offering something to them by not asking them for anything, that's going to get their attention so much faster than the, hey, girl, what's up, dude? You want to look at this website or try this product or I would love to have you on my show or whatever it might be. Exactly. And if there's one thing that I know about you, Jess, it's like you connect with people. And after that, if someone is looking for, let's say a candle company or a graphic designer, or they're looking for someone to make like a killer slogan for them or something like that, you have this archive of people that you have connected with that you can put them in touch and go, I trust this person, give them a shout. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And I've heard you say that and do that so many times. And I think that that is such a cool thing. And not a lot of people do that. They're more focused on their business, but you're more focused on how you can help other people. And then in turn, your business is going to flourish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the, the point of, I think, why why we're all here on this planet is to help one another and to help, help everybody get ahead and do their best. And so that's what I spend my time thinking about is how can we, how can we make humanity better? And there, there's so many ways that this place could be a better experience for all of us. And that's why I became a political activist is because I thought that getting involved in politics would be the way to address policy. And I think now where I'm trying to spend more of my thought process and why I'm interested in branding and marketing myself as an entrepreneur or a brand myself 
is because I want people to take me seriously in the future. I want people to see me as a person. I think that's something I've struggled with is people have seen me as my employer in the past. And they've, they've said, Jess Mears is this person because that's who my employer is. But I am me. I'm a person. I have my own ideas. I have my own um, contribution that I want to leave behind and on this planet. So I, I'm working on how to, what is it that I want to be? Who do I want people to know me as when I'm not in the room as per Jeff Bezos's quote? Elon Musk's future date. What a power couple. Let's just throw that out there. Can you just yeah. imagine? I think it'd be such a hilarious match and a perfect match because he, like I said, he takes nothing seriously at the same time that he takes everything seriously. Yeah. And Jess, you are so compassionate towards the rest of the world. And that is something that I love and admire so much because I wish that more people in business were that way. You know, if a lot of these major corporations, and not all of them, some of them, you know, a lot of people love to immediately hate on a lot of major corporations. Some of them are not all bad. Some of them really do a lot of good work. But unfortunately, a lot of them don't have that mindset. You know, a lot of them maybe started out that way, um, but it's it gets lost. And I, you know, I don't necessarily fault them for that entirely because it can be hard whenever all of a sudden, you know, they make it. And so what is something that you, how would you try to keep yourself on track with keeping the love for humanity that you do now if in the future everything just absolutely takes off and whatever endeavors that you pursue just skyrocket your Elon Musk level? How do you keep the level of humanity that you have now? I think the things that I want to work on are focused entirely around humanity and, um, everything that I, all of the ideas that I have, uh, it's all an idea on how to make life better. So I have a couple things I'm going to be pursuing in the future, a for-profit endeavor that would be focused on helping people, and then a nonprofit endeavor. And I'd kind of like to share a little bit about this nonprofit idea that I'm thinking through, that I'm trying to pursue. And this is where I'm looking to go in 2022. I think that there are so many people out there calling for legislative change in the United States. They're saying Congress must act. We have to save the planet. We hear this all the time, right? We have to save the planet. Politicians, the politicians are going to save the planet. Like this, if this is seriously what people think is going to happen, they're wrong. The politicians are not saving the planet. No amount of dollars is going to save the planet. I think that we need to, instead of calling on Congress to act, we have to start with our own solutions in our own neighborhoods and finding what works for, for us. I go walk by trash every single day and I stop and pick it up and I throw it away. And people literally will roll down their windows and say thank you when they see me do that. But I wish that I lived in a society where there wasn't trash on the streets, that there was no trash anywhere. That'd be a really good start for people just caring about their own neighborhoods and the way their own neighborhoods look. Um, so I'm kind of like, let's like start taking care of our own communities before we're asking for the federal government to act. So I'm looking to take the energy of the people who are calling on Congress to act 
to come together in their communities in a completely nonpartisan manner, no political labels whatsoever, just coming together to focus on solutions. Here's another idea that I have. Um, minimum wage. We all agree that people should get paid well, right? Like we want everybody to have as much income as they can possibly earn. The earning potential, go for it. So the minimum wages exist. And it's this huge argument. At least it had been a huge argument until basically now the minimum wage almost seems irrelevant because it seems like everybody's paying $15 or more right now in the United States. But how can we guarantee that businesses are treating their employees well? Is the government going to step in and make sure that employees are treated well? So what if there was a different way, a way where maybe there was a sticker outside of, of a business and a website with a registry of business owners that agree to pay their employees well and treat their employees well. And you just, you saw that sticker and you knew, oh, that's that business. They give their employees like vacation, maternity, paternity leave. And then you go and support that business. And the, there'd be a registry as well that said, hey, these are all the businesses that treat their employees well. Please, please go and visit these businesses and give them your money and and um, go and see what kind of products they have. And so that would be a very voluntary solution to addressing what is the minimum wage um, crisis or these all these actions that are being requested to make change at the federal level. So I want to try to look at these strategies and what can we do as a community, come together with nonpartisan um, solutions whatsoever, just people. And I would like to see how we can be the very best of us. We can bring out our best selves. And I think the best of us is when we overcome our interpersonal differences or our um, ideological differences to do something good. And so I'm, I'm looking to try to pour myself into that direction where it's almost like it's a nonprofit, but it's voluntary solutions, local level on a national scale, harnessing the power of people who are calling for change at the federal level. I love that because we hear all the time your mission, right? Like we hear people talk about it all day long, but then when you ask them to say, okay, what does that look like? How does that work? You know, actually I saw a meme the other day about Elon Musk calling out someone for that. They said, Elon Musk's X amount of dollars could solve world hunger. And he said, okay, I will donate $32 billion right now if you can tell me how. And so I love that you actually have an idea of what that looks like and how it can be attained. And to be quite honest, I don't think that it would be difficult to do if we could just get people on board. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel like at the end of the day, everyone, they want to support people that have similar ideologies as them. And if it's, you know, this company is going to take such good care of their people that they have this sticker in the window that, I mean, how much does it cost to put a sticker in the window, but how much worth is that sticker to me going, wow, those moms get maternity leave or those dads even get paternity leave or they're getting paid a good wage. That's, I mean, that means more to me. I would rather pay a dollar more for a product or $20 more for a product just by simply knowing that I'm supporting someone who cares. And, and right now there's no way. Meg. Oh, go ahead. You're good. 
there there's no way to tell which businesses are having good labor standards at this point other than asking the employees are you treated well here um so i think i think it'd be a, a really fun way to try to change society by just doing this like you know this like registry of businesses and there's so many other ways that we could try to work on local solutions those are just a couple ideas that i have um, at the forefront. And I'm, I'm very interested in hearing more ideas that people have about nonpartisan local solutions to the top issues that are, we're facing right now. So I'd love to get that feedback from your listeners. What's interesting is I think that a lot of people on a local level and on a mass level would be very pro that. I think a lot of people just, there's fear because people don't like the government, right? But at the same time, you explore these solutions where they're less, you know, they're less involved and the people take control, but then that scares them because they kind of feel like, okay, well, there's not as much structure. So it's an interesting thing because a lot of people are for it because they don't want the government. But then at the same time, as soon as you mention something where the government's not involved, it's like, oh no, we're, no, 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 we can't do that. We need to have some sort of structure. So um, I am excited to see this happen. I hope it's something that does happen because I think that it would make a big difference. I know Meg mentioned in a comment that I can't scroll up to. Um, she was just saying, you know, for her, it was more of the toxicity in a workplace. You know, there's wage, but the toxicity is a big thing. And you touch on that a lot um, because what can happen is people won't speak up. You know, like you said, we have to ask employees, how are they treating you? What are your benefits like? What does this look like? And a lot of the time they're too afraid to say because of yeah. job security. Yeah. So this brings the anonymity to it. I believe I said mm -hmm. that correctly. My brain struggled real hard on that one for a minute, but yeah. I think that brings in a good element. So I'm trying to find ways to turn anyone into an activist with a small amount of time. So taking a brochure to a business owner and saying, hey, I'm participating in this program. It's like labor standards related. And if you would like to get on this website where we're sending tons of business to local businesses, then you can take a look and see if it works, if, if you'd like to accept this. Um, so it really turns anybody into an activist with just a brochure. And then like cleaning up trash from parks. It's, yeah. it's a, something we should all be doing anyways, but it's a small way to spend a little bit of time. And the way it feels to take a space and you, you, the amount of litter that can be retrieved and recovered from a park or something can be bags and bags of litter. It's insane how much trash is just laying around this planet that we leave behind. So small things to turn anybody with a small manageable amount of time into an activist a low um, threshold for entry. I, in 2011, I lived in Sarasota, Florida, and I was trying to find community there. And I went to meetup.com and I found a craft beer lovers meetup. So I, the day came for the meetup and I drove to the brewery and it was 2011. This was before craft breweries were really all the rage everywhere. They were just starting to become a thing. 
And I turned around and left because nobody in that place was expecting me. Nobody was, I wasn't held accountable to a single person. And it was easier for me to leave than to just be brave and go inside and meet some new people. So that barrier for people to show up to something new, to get involved with a new group, I'm trying to figure out ways to make that so much lower so people feel more comfortable getting engaged in their community. And I think a lot of that has to do with something that we had touched on earlier, and that's that personal connection and getting people, hey, I'm involved in this. And you have that personal accountability because maybe I invite you, hey, I'm going to go do this trash cleanup this weekend. Would you like to join me? You'd be like, yeah, sure. And you and I go get coffee that morning and like make a whole thing of it. But then maybe the following week we get a couple more people and it just spider webs out. And I really think that, you know, if we focus on that personal connection and giving back to our communities in that way, I think that's going to make the difference. I have some data for you. And I, so the study from Harvard, it was an 80 year long study on human longevity. The number one indicator of how long people will live. Can you guess what that is? I have a feeling it's going to be much lower than my guess. Number one is the genetics that you were born with. That's the number one indicator on how long you're going to live. The second indicator on how long you're going to live is your bonds to your family and your friends. So if you have strong bonds with family and friends, it's going to add value and length to your life. And the third, the third indicator on how long you will live is your tertiary bonds to your community. So if you know the name of the clerk at the grocery store, if you say hi to people on the sidewalk, if you say good morning, um, if you are involved in civic groups or any kind of any kind of local groups, if you're involved in your church. So tertiary bonds to the communities is the number three way that you can extend your life, your lifespan. And that's the part where I'm focusing in on is how can we build community where people live? Um, People used to go to church a lot more than they do now in the United States. So churches used to be big hubs for communities and church uh, attendance is going down with every single generation that comes with it. So we have to figure out ways to build the community because we've learned that the computer community can never replace in person. And we just went through a year and a half going on two years where being in person was discouraged. So our country really has to figure out, and this planet has to figure out ways that we can come back together after we've been torn apart. Yeah. I love that. And it's, interesting because as you were explaining those three different factors it made me think of you know when someone has a baby for the first time and everyone rallies around them to help and they always say it takes a village so mm-hmm. it's so interesting to hear how you know it, it does take a village when you have a baby but it's important to keep that village around you yeah. throughout the entirety of your life because it makes such a big impact I think that people forget that because as you move into adulthood and as you grow we always encourage such independence and I think it gets to too far of a level because it takes a village 
So yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Liberty is all about community. Everyone thinks it's about individualism, but it's actually community-based. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Just looking in the comments just to see. You have a lot of fans in the in the chat right now, Jess. Yes. We've got some fan club comments going on. We do. Holy cow. We'll just have to have you on every time. We're just going to make this <laughs> Jess, great. Kelsey, and Sarah show. I would actually love to, and this is just me totally planning for the future. So if you're interested, I think it would be so much fun to have you on again towards the new year and kind of go over goal setting and what the new year looks like and how you prepare for it yeah. and things like that. Cause we're getting close. We're getting so close. That'd be awesome. That might be a really great time for me to debut a website and the things I'm going to be working on. I mentioned earlier about how I started off this year and my kind of leap into preparing myself to be a businesswoman is by doing life balance assessment, a life audit. And I am preparing a slide deck so that individuals can do a self-guided life balance audit for so themselves. Curious. Yeah. So I'm going to put that out on a website and um, working with Kelsey on branding and kind of getting that ready for a launch at the end of this year. And that's one of the ways, like, I just want to really help people. So yeah. I've been working through this self, um, self-guided life balance audit with some of my friends and I'm going to go on podcasts here in the very near future and do it with the podcast hosts. So some podcast hosts are going to have to get super vulnerable with their audience <laughs> when I ask them to evaluate every layer of their life on an individual basis. Um, so starting off with life balance and then I want to help people with their own goal setting. So like my own goal setting and like reading like 13 pages at a time, it's just helping me to achieve the things that I want to do. So I want to help people do things and like this rocket science thinking that I'm learning about everyone's capable of achieving so much if they just believed in themselves. Yeah. Is there a way for us to follow? Are you keeping a specific blog? Are you documenting this journey of yours in any way? Because I think a lot of people would love to be able to follow it and see it come to fruition. Yeah, I just started a Substack account and I'm going to be releasing how I lost 65 pounds by getting hit by a bus as my first article on Substack. So I will put my Substack in the comments. So that way anybody yes, who wants please. to follow that can read read um, when, and get notified when I have articles get posted. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yes, please share. Will do. Share all of it. And I love seeing where Jess Mears is like every week because I feel like you're in a new city and it just... It brings me back to, I remember we were in Dallas and we were eating breakfast tacos and we had the mm -hmm. conversation of where we're going to see ourselves in a year. And I, I feel like you are achieving everything you said at that little taco stand. And wow, I'm so proud of you. It's almost been like, it's been a few more days than a year since election night in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's scary. And in two weeks, it's going to be Thanksgiving. I know. Oh, my gosh. 
Yes. Time has been flying. I feel like I blinked and this year is gone. And every year I say that and time just goes faster and faster. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, we always hear our parents, at least I did say, the older you get, the faster time goes. And I never believed it. And now that I'm not 12 anymore, it's definitely true. Time is flying by, which means we have to make the most of it. So I think what you're doing, Jess, is very empowering for so many people. Well, I have a challenge for both of you and for your listeners. I want to challenge you to, before we talk again at the end of the year, think about your dreams and the dreams that you have for yourself and think how you can make them bigger. Multiply it by 100. How can you make your dreams so unbelievably big that you think it's silly or unachievable? I like it. All of our listeners I I want to talk about that this weekend. Yes. Jess, I wish we can reflect on that this weekend. I wish you were going to be in South Carolina this weekend. You could have hung out with all of us. I know. We would have so much fun. I want to like fly to the middle of whatever state you're going to be in and have all of us go get coffee and breakfast together and just sit and talk about everything. Yes. Currently, I'm in Michigan and I'll be in Kansas City next and then Cincinnati. Um, so I am, I'm exploring and getting all around, all around the States. Yay. Well, let me know when you find somewhere warmer, warmer, because I would die if I was in Michigan right now, to be completely honest. So I think I'll actually be in Tampa Bay in March and April and trying to live there in the winter months. Nice. Okay. Love it. Well, I will be here and Tampa is 15 minutes away. So I would absolutely love to connect with you when you're here. That'd be awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for coming on. And I know we went a little over time, but that's okay. Thank you so, so much for coming on. We had a blast and we cannot wait to have you on again with our goals. Thank you. Yeah. Your big dream to get an update on say yes to Jess. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there, before we let you go, Jess, is there anything final that you wanted to leave our listeners with? Any um, specific thoughts, any specific links, anything? Follow me on Substack. I'll drop the link in the chat and, um, or you can just Google like Jess Mears Substack and I'm going to start releasing a whole bunch of articles. I'm going to be working with Kelsey. So you'll be able to see Kelsey's artwork on my products once I have them available. And I really appreciate you all letting me have some time just to talk about the things that interest me and what's on my mind. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You have been a wonderful guest. Thank you, ladies. It's been nice seeing you. Nice seeing you too. Bye, Jess. Bye. Oh my goodness. This was such a productive show, despite the chaos of the tech issues that we had in the very beginning and middle. It's okay because we're officially muddied waters now. And we didn't have a meltdown, which I feel like is just an accomplishment in itself. Valid. Valid. I love it. So I 
for me, there was so many takeaways to take from the show between both Carol and Jess. But I think more than anything, it was really refreshing to have these conversations. Yeah. Because in the libertarian movement, things get heavy and rightfully so, because yeah. you have to talk about things that are uncomfortable to make change. Um, but this was like entirely different realm that was very, very inspiring. You know, we have a lot of negativity going on yeah. and a lot of things that have to be talked about, you know, with mandates and with, I mean, the list goes on and on and all of it ties into one big bubble. So this was a really refreshing and inspiring um, change of pace. And I feel like it gives our listeners and everyone out there just a lot of hope. Like this was something yeah. that was very positive and had a lot of takeaways that I can go apply tomorrow. I mean, I can go get one of those books. I will go get that rocket book or I will go get one of Carol's books and read 13 pages a day. Absolutely. And, you know, there was so many tangible steps that we could take right now. And we don't have to feel like it's going to take up our entire day or an entire month or things like that. We're just going to get drowned out. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, it brings a lot of hope and it brings a lot of positivity. And I hope that the people who are listening, you know, at the end of the day, we do live in a time where mental health is at the forefront because of COVID and work and work-life balance and lockdowns and mandates. And it's, it's a very suffocating society is kind of the best way that I can put it. So I hope that this gives a lot of inspiration and light and fresh air to your mind so that you hopefully don't feel as confined. The world, like Jess said, if people genuinely believed in themselves, you can do anything. Yeah. If you look at a lot of the most successful people, look where they started. Mm -hmm. And that tells you the bulk of it. So I hope that hopefully a lot of people take from this and the kind of times we live in now some inspiration to create something new, start something new, make a change. And it's not easy, but obviously you have support from at least all of us. Yeah. And if we all come together behind all of those people who they want to start their own businesses or, you know, they're trying to find that diamond in a rough right now, if we all come together and support them, honestly, we're going to make a change just with positivity. Yep. And on top of that, with what Carol said, you can make a change with your wallet too by supporting those small businesses and buying from them. And it might cost a little bit more, but I feel better buying products, you know, from body butters from my friend who makes them and they're high quality and I'll pay a little bit more for them for maybe a smaller amount compared to Bath and Body Works. You know, it makes it makes a, di- a big difference and you know that you're supporting a family. Exactly. So we started I doing I encourage everyone. We started doing that for Christmas actually. We would do a small business. So I have a friend who makes her own uh, essential oils and her own soaps. And so every Christmas, mm-hmm. everyone gets a lump of coal, which is their her charcoal soap or um, we give out some of her oils and things like that. Um, and we started doing like experience gifts and like going and visiting like small businesses and farms and stuff like that and getting season passes oh, to different places. That. Yeah. Just so that way it's just, instead of just getting a bunch of gifts off Amazon, it's just something different. It's unique and it gives a lot more value. I could go down a whole road with you another day about mass consumerism. 
So I stand behind all of that for so many other reasons and teaching the next generation not to just hoard stuff and value quality items and experiences a whole lot more, but that's a whole other topic. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I definitely encourage everybody to shop small. It's holiday season. Be more mindful. Be more intentional with what you are spending your money on and who you're giving your money to because it makes a big difference. Um. But before we wrap up, just because we did have some chaos in the very beginning, I just wanted to remind everybody again um, that if you do want more exclusive content from all of the members of Muddied Waters Media, if you go to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters slash subscribe, it's $9.99 a month. You probably spend more than that at Starbucks and a trip and a half. There's lots of exclusive content from everybody. And on top of that, you save 10% in the merch shop and they do an exclusive Muddied Waters Zoom Every month, it is the second Thursday um, of every month. The first one is November 18th. So that's coming up very soon. And it's pretty much anyone who wants to hop on. So Kelsey and I might be there. Spike, yep. Matt, Jason, Cajun, uh, Nalik, uh, maybe Ashley even, and Sean. So maybe even Brian. If we could get Brian to hop on there, even that yes. would be fantastic. So it's it's a whole lot of fun, um, and it's insane conversations that I'm really excited for the first one. So if you guys would like to be part of it, that is where you can go. I will put the link in the uh, comments right now. And now that it is going to be holiday time, and we're talking small business, what's your website, Sarah, for your candle company? <laughs> yes, it is Frothy Coffee Candle Co., Dot com if you want fresh organic soy wax candles based off of your favorite coffee and bakery items. And Kelsey, if anyone wanted specialized branding or apparently you're getting married, you got an event, <laughs> Kelsey can do it all now. How, how could they contact you about that? So it is KelseyLionDesigns.com. And right now, if you go into my contact us and you put the subject is muddied waters, you get 10% off of your Ooh. first contract. I love it. Yeah. So I just shared the link there. Meg, I know you said you're probably skipping the Zoom because you're shy. You can just turn your video off and be a fly on the wall and laugh and eat popcorn in the background and everybody else's chaos. To be honest, I'll probably be doing that. Well, I'm too much of a loud mouth. I would be doing that if I don't feel well, I'll be doing that. But yeah, you don't have to have your camera on if you just want to be a fly on the wall and creep, honestly. It's a fantastic way to do it, truly. We're a rowdy bunch. You're you'll be entertained, I promise. <laughs> Adam, someone said, Oh hey, this started two hours ago, and I just noticed. <laughs> well, the replay is gonna be wonderful because I know I'm gonna replay it just because there's so much content. Feel free to skip the first 15 minutes of tech issues and you will be good to go. Um, But outside of that, did you have any other final thoughts for everybody, Kelsey? I think I'm good. Thank you to our guests for today. Thank you, Sarah, for being co-host with me today. And uh, thank you, Matt, Spike, and Jason for now accepting us fully into Muddied Waters. (laughs) We have been officially initiated. And it makes me even more excited for this this weekend where we will all be together in South Carolina. Do we get like tiaras or like t-shirts or something? Is there something? We are officially initiated. 
Matt and every all of the men of Muddied Waters Media are probably like, what did we do? They're talking <laughs> about tiaras. They'll be black and gold. Don't worry. It's fine. It's we cool. can make it work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. We're not doing the creepy whispering ASMR thing. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, no. No, no. No, no. This is a whole other vibe. Ring pops. I'm down. Yeah. Meg said we could do ring pops. Yes. I'm down with ring pops. We could buy those someone said the tech issues are my favorite part though well then this will be your favorite show of all time um so all right well if that is it i hope that you guys all have a fantastic evening i know that matt usually ends his show with some sort of goofy fact or telling you all that you are perfect dressed the way you are but if i had to say something i would say believe in yourself follow dress mirrors Mm -hmm. follow that piece of advice Believe in yourself. Know that you can do it. And I can't wait to see all of the things that all of us accomplish in 2022. Me too. We can't wait to see you guys soon.